0: Welcome to Vintage McCoy, where history matters, and we have a wonderful guest with us. We have Will Witt. You all want to stick around and hear this. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light. Together, we will make America great again. I have
1: never been more hopeful about America. And the people who know. Hear
0: all of the advance of human you know, liberty can only strengthen the cause of world peace. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. You in yet? But because of the Watergate matter, I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. <laughs> May all God's
1: children be able to. My country tears of thee, sweet land of liberty of thee We shall pay any price there any church, uphold any foe to ensure the survival and the success
0: of liberty. It is indeed we are the defenders of freedom. With the
1: unfounding
0: determination of our people, we will gain the inevitable triumph, so help us God these truths to be self-evident that all men are created one nation under God indivisible with liberty and justice for all those who no forget the past are destined. Thanks for joining us on Filling In for Rob McCoy. I'm Rick Brown, and I am with Will Witt. Thanks, Will, for joining us.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me, man. It's great to be here.
0: It's uh, very exciting when we think about um, what... Is going on with you and You and just your own journey. You have a new book coming out in September, and we're excited to read that.
1: I do. Thank you for the plug. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and How to can... Win Friends and Influence Enemies is the title of the book, kind that's of a play right. off the old Dale Carnegie novel.
0: And give them a, a, a brief synopsis because they can order it early. It's coming out in September, but they can get it early.
1: Yeah, you can pre-order it on Amazon, wherever you buy books, really, right now. It's going to be available on all retailers. But essentially, it is your guide to change minds. I mean, I've gone on the street. If anyone if you're familiar with my videos on PragerU, I go out on the street, interview kids and, pe- and college students about all different issues, and I've changed. Hundreds of minds, I've literally talked to thousands of people, and so my, you know, debating and and mind-changing skills have gotten pretty good. And so what I wanted to do somewhat is make it so that I don't have a job anymore because other people can do my job for me by going out and talking to people themselves. So there's about 18 different chapters in the book. Each one is a different political or cultural topic. There's climate change, there's police brutality, racism, cultural appropriation just to name a few, and each one gives you the facts on each one and then even the psychological persuasion techniques and questions that you can use to change people's minds. The conversations we're having in America just don't seem to be really working and so I want people to have the ammunition that they can use to actually constructively change minds effectively.
0: So it's really a manual for how to engage with our culture.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's like, let's say you're arguing with someone on Facebook about climate change. Mm -hmm. You can open up my book to the climate change chapter, reference the parts that I'm talking about, the same parts about maybe someone's talking about solar energy. There's a part about solar energy in there that you can use for your argument and get the right questions for it and be able to change someone's mind that way. So it it is like a manual, a reference guide, and also entertaining with stories about my life and, and things that I've gone through while doing all of this to hopefully give you some more insight as well. That's great. Yeah, and exciting. you are Will Wit live at PragerU. And how long have you been doing that? Will- so our podcast has been going for about. It's been kind of a tumultuous journey, to be honest. We'll okay. get this set that, you, that we're in right now is very nice. <laughs> Our set that we had starting out uh, was not as nice as we would have liked, and there was a lot of technical issues. It was basically me and Taylor, I'm not sure if you're familiar with who he is, the creative manager at PragerU, setting all this up by ourselves. And we were doing it every single week. Uh, and then we moved it to every single day. And then now we're doing it with Amala, who is our new personality, every single day. We finally upgraded our set, and that has been going for about two months, and it's been wildly successful with just getting people to to watch more PragerU content. Because PragerU, we have a lot of content that is very evergreen and and things that people can watch a month later and still get the right information from. But the the, the podcast that Amala and I do right now is is breaking news, cutting-edge stuff, giving you the facts about the culture happening right now. So it's kind of different than a lot of the other PragerU stuff. Stuff that we put out.
0: Yeah, PragerU, just, I mean, no matter, a year from now, it's still good, but right. you guys are doing more of the headline news, breaking yeah, news. Yeah, exactly,
1: stuff. so that's why we have to do it every day.
0: That's great, <laughs> and I think you and Amala are doing a great job just watching your interaction. I didn't know she had only been with you two months.
1: Yeah, two months she's only been with us, but people, I mean, already, it's funny, we were talking about this yesterday on the podcast, yeah. is that even though I've been at PragerU for about three and a half years, almost 90% of the positive comments or something nice about Amla in our live streams, which is okay. You know? <laughs> She's so a woman. Okay. You have to be nicer to her, you know, but it, it, it's funny. She's doing a fantastic job. And yeah. it, she already feels like a part of the PragerU family. That's great. Yeah.
0: Good. So my curiosity is, uh, and, and also just for those who have never uh, connected with you, with your videos, and what's going on with the younger generation, which is so exciting to see, people that are young and conservative and see the value of the policies as a citizen that play out, like in your um, uh, fleeing California. And I want to get to some of those things in our second segment because we want to do two segments. But the first one is I want to know how do you become well-wit, Right. Tell me a little bit about your your upbringing, and let's just talk about your story. And then the second segment, we'll talk about some of the cool stuff you're doing.
1: The first thing is to have good hair genes. If you, yeah, if man, you have good you got genes, hair. Yes. You, you're already on your way. <laughs> really started. I grew up in Colorado, which is. At the time, actually, growing up, it was a lot better than what California is now, but Colorado is now slowly turning into a second California by a lot of metrics in terms of the economy and prices and homeless population. But Colorado was always a good place to live, and I was a liberal atheist my entire life. So I was not conservative at all. My grandparents were actually conservative and they tried to tell me things about conservatism and being a Republican and, you know, why I should support George Bush at the the time. And I was like, oh, these are just old people. You know, I I don't need to listen to anything they say. And my mom was really like my central role model in Mm -hmm. my life. My dad was never around. He was actually in prison for most of my earlier life what are you going to do? My mom basically took up the, the helms of being my father figure in a lot of ways, which yeah. is an incredibly hard task for doing it with me and my sister and then my half-brother who had a different dad than me. Yeah. Sorry, kind of confusing with all the different people. But, no, that's good. Um, yeah. and we so, had that in
0: common because oh, I, yeah. was, I was raised by an uh, ex-convict, my stepdad, who okay. he had just got out of San Quentin prison oh, for wow. seven years Yeah, uh, when my mom married him. And so for the next ten years, he was... My uh, amazing role model. That's amazing. That's so good. <laughs> Which is a, a very, very exciting life when you're kind of. Jerked all over
1: the place. Yeah, definitely. Really,
0: he was out of the picture, and your mom was the central focus. Yeah, my mom
1: was the central focus, and then my Mm -hmm. older brother, who was four years older, he was like a father figure to me as well, and then my grandpa Mm -hmm. as well, who we called Chocolate. And so he, Chocolate put me through Boy Scouts, actually. So I'm an Eagle Scout. I'm sure there's a story behind Chocolate, right? Yeah, there is. (laughs) Well, my grandma's Cookie, and then my grandpa's Chocolate. (laughs) So they're Cookie and Chocolate. Oh, that's great. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of, and then we named their dog Chip. So it's Chocolate Chip Cookie. I know. child things, you know. It's funny. Um, But they were like my role models when my father wasn't around. And so my mom was never very political. My brother, his dad was, I would say, pretty liberal and then very anti-God. And so for me growing up, my older brother was like my cool role model that I looked up to for every single thing in my life. And so when my brother was anti-God, it meant I'm going to be anti-God. So growing up my entire life, I wouldn't just say I was an atheist. I would go out and tell people that They're stupid for believing in religion. They're stupid for believing in God. All of those different things. So I grew up having a very intimate relationship knowing what atheists believe Mm -hmm. versus I I think there are some Christians who grow up and they were raised in a very Christian household, which is good. I'm not trying to say anything bad, but they don't necessarily know the other side as well as they should. They don't know the arguments from an atheist or what other people outside of their realm are saying. I think Mm -hmm. some people can be a little closeted in that respect. It's good to go out and talk to other people with different points of view. So did you
0: research conservative things so that you could attack people and tear down their faith in the same way that now in reverse as a conservative and arguments or... No, see, that's
1: the thing. When you're a, when you're... I find this with a lot of liberals and a lot of atheists is that they're not usually doing the research to find the other side. Mm. This is why I can go on campus and talk to them and they've never heard my arguments before Mm. and why I can change their minds because they've never even heard the conservative side before. So when I was a liberal and when I was an atheist talking to people or doing whatever I I didn't really hear their arguments I just knew my argument was better, right? I just knew that I was on top and I knew I was right and was very stubborn Mm. in the things that I believe. And so I went through middle school, high school, um, and then, when my senior year of high school, I ended up working for a Democrat senator, back in Colorado. She was nice, but uh, didn't have the best idea what she was doing. I did it mostly to impress this girl who I knew. But it's it was All worked. about a girl. Yeah, exactly. It usually is. At <laughs> um, that age, it's yeah. all about a girl. <laughs> Yeah. And so then, eventually, I went to college. I went to CU Boulder which we call the People's Republic of Boulder. And like we talked about before, most people go to college and they were raised conservative or Christian, they become a liberal, they shave their head or dye their hair blue, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I became a conservative because I saw just how- That just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen, but it's happening more. It's happening more, which is wild. I talk to a lot of kids now when I go to college campuses and they either say like, I started watching your videos, like I'll meet kids who are fans, Mm -hmm. or they'll say, I got involved with Turning Point with Charlie Kirk stuff, or any of these other organizations and they'll be like, yeah, I became a conservative in college because of just how wild it is here. Right, I was an English major, which was a pretty useless degree. And I was in my intro sociology class, which was a useless class. And, I mean, it, they're talking about white privilege, and they're telling me that I have this inherent privilege over a black girl who's sitting right next to me. And it, it, we're both very awkward in this scenario looking at each other like, what is going on here, we've never heard this before, but this TA at this $50,000 a year university gets to come and tell me that I'm oppressing someone. All right, this is how you create the victim culture in America. Was that your being slapped in the face with it the first time in the classroom like this? Yes, yeah, Yeah, so that was the first time and that was just It didn't make any sense to me. My mom, like I said, I I grew up liberal, but she raised me with a ton of common sense. I had a lot of personal responsibility. I didn't feel entitled too much. um, And I I feel like I just had common sense value. Something that Dennis Prager talks about all the time, that Mm -hmm. a lot of conservatism is just common sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had a lot of that. So when I heard this, it just, I was like, what? You know, I've always... I've tried to help everyone you know I tried to help black people whatever it might be I don't feel like I'm a pressinger just because I'm white that doesn't really make any sense and so I started looking into a lot of different other things um, and long story short started getting very involved in conservative politics Um, I I, on campus on campus yeah so after this was my freshman year I kind of threw it all away I basically partied and and was debaucherous the entire time my Mm -hmm. freshman year and Basically failed out of most of my classes, except for the creative writing classes, because those are the classes I actually really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And then my sophomore year, when I went back, um, I basically just did politics. So I still failed all my classes, (laughs) but it was because I was doing politics this time, right? So I was going on campus, setting up a table, and would just debate kids on campus every single day because that's so what do I enjoyed you doing.
0: convert to being a republican, you're conservative or poli- I mean what was yeah. what was your affiliation or point of contact or who are you connecting with to begin
1: to have mentorship. So the first thing that really happened, well also I'll take it back one step. I was dating okay. a girl who ended up being a Hillary Clinton supporter as well okay. at the time. And so that'll drive any man crazy for long <laughs> enough. And that just turned me on my journey even more because, again, like I said, I was very stubborn, yeah. and so it made me want to beat her in arguments. And okay. so I became more conservative so because of a bad her. Girl. Right? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. I, yeah, it was more of my life. Right? I understand. And so uh, after that, I started working actually with the Republican Party in okay. Colorado, so uh, working yeah. with them on local elections and stuff like that. Then it was Turning Point USA. I actually got involved with all of these organizations because I was in my class, political science class. And I would raise my hand all the time and say, like, this is wrong, professor. Like, this, this isn't right. And the professor hated me and and all of that. And I would have this, this kid who came up to me and say, you know, I really like what you're doing. We should be friends. I was like, okay. And then another girl came up to me with a Trump pin on her backpack, asked who I was voting for. I didn't totally know yet. And we just started having a conversation. And then I went and looked things up after that. And I was like, wow, America's screwed up in all these ways. Trump really wants to, to do all these things and... and Make America Great Again, for lack of a better word, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I started getting involved with all these student organizations Leadership mm-hmm. Institute, Turning Point USA, Prager Force, which is our student group at Prager U. And then I eventually uh, started working for Turning Point. So for about three months, I worked for them. I was the Rocky Mountain Field Director. So okay. I know I'm throwing a lot at you right now about no, a lot of different stuff. So. No, we're absorbing it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, worked for the Turning Point. So I ran the states of New Mexico. Colorado and Wyoming. So I would go around to all the schools, all the universities in those mm-hmm. states, and set up different Turning Point chapters there. And we had some we had some wild times doing that for sure. When you
0: were doing that, because you said um, you dropped out after your second year?
1: Yeah. So after my second year, sorry, I might have yeah, skipped a second. Yeah. After my second year doing politics the whole time, um, I dropped out and worked for Turning Point for okay. a little bit. Um, and so we would do things. We did an affirmative action bake sale. At University of New Mexico, I'm not sure if you've heard of that before. No, no, this Tell one, this one got me in trouble for sure. <laughs> but essentially, it's a you set up a bake sale like with cookies, okay. muffins, and everything, and then you have a sign, and you're selling the baked goods to people for different prices based on their race. So for for Asian people, it's a dollar twenty-five a muffin. For white people, it's a dollar, and then for Black and Hispanic people, it's seventy-five cents. Okay, and Native Americans, we just give them the but. Give him the muffin, all okay. right? And so okay. th- the the point of this it might sound a little racist, okay? I, I get what you're thinking, but essentially it's to show that affirmative action is racist because affirmative it action, is. on its premise, says, oh, the color of your skin, yeah, black people, Hispanic people, they're not as smart as white people, so we have to give them this leg up. But some people at the university didn't find that very telling, and they came and they yelled death threats at us. They flipped the table. They squished all of our muffins. <laughs> Who does that? At a bake sale. At a bake sale, right? You know, at least steal the muffins and take them like a socialist, but they just squashed them. Stomped so, on them. I know. So, but we had some good times doing a lot of the turning point stuff. And so a lot of those chapters that are still around those states, I helped start, which is really cool. So um, talk you know. to me
0: about the alienation that a lot of young people that are either are conservative or see the problems and convert to a conservative perspective. And just annihilated on social media right. or on the campus life. How'd that affect you? How'd you go through that turbulence? And and what would be some encouragement for some of the
1: younger audience? Because that's who you're reaching as the younger audience. Definitely. Yeah. I I actually went about it, I guess, differently than I think a lot of people. Okay. I'm kind of in my opinion, kind of tired of the stigma around conservative students that it's like, it's so scary to be a conservative student. It's so hard for us. That's what we hear. That's what we hear. And it's like, it can be if you don't stand up and say anything. But my life got infinitely better when I started speaking up. I felt confident. I started getting really close friends because they wanted to be around me and they had similar values as me and and were very close to me. And it, it made me into a smarter, more confident person going around and being so strong. It's like it makes your life better when you stand up for your values. When you That's when you see things crumble around you and you don't say anything, it makes you feel really weak inside. It makes you feel like you're not doing anything. So like all the shame and the the hate and all that, it it, it didn't it never affected me in the way that I guess it affects other people where it can be very detrimental to them. I understand that people hating on you and, and saying horrible things is terrible and Mm -hmm. it can affect your mental health and and everything else and your performance of things. But for me, it was never really anything that affected me too much. I used that as kind of a fire because I was like, I was a liberal for my entire life. I had been lied to for my entire life, told that all of these things are destroying America, racism and climate change and all of this. And then I realized that it was all a lie. It's like I'm not going to let these people shame me after yeah. now becoming a conservative. It's like I'm going to fight back against all of them, yeah. right? That's what I want every you know young person yeah. on a campus to do. I want yeah. them to say, "I've been lied to. You've been lied to. I need to be so strong about this." Mm-hmm. It's like we have all these, these, these different. Uh, Professors and teachers coming out now in their universities or at their public school being strong about the things they believe in mm-hmm. And it's like you can make such a difference when you do that versus mm-hmm. when you're just a closet conservative You can actually get things done when you stand up, but if no one stands up It's all going to continue to get worse mm-hmm. and then we just sit here and we complain about the problems It's like don't complain about it if you were silent the whole time so my advice to students is to you know Buckle up and get ready because it's tough. You know, just like Jesus said, we will go through trials and tribulations in our lives. It's like people expect this to be easy. Mm -hmm. They expect fighting for moral values or for the right thing to be easy for them. I Mm -hmm. never got that. I Mm -hmm. never understood why people thought that life was supposed to be so cushy for them. Mm -hmm. It's not. Mm -hmm. To be a Christian is hard. It's a hard walk to to give your life to Jesus. It's a hard walk to be a conservative, Mm -hmm. especially on a college campus where everyone's against you. But Mm -hmm. I can promise you it is well worth it. Yeah. That's such a great word of encouragement to go on the offensive rather than this
0: defensive posture of basically being in a bunker. But just go on the offensive and you get new friends because you lose the old ones and uh, built on better values. And that's awesome. That's great. Thank you. So... Uh, you go through that journey and you're organizing things on campus and then you come to the least liberated state of the Union. Yeah. What, what was in your mind to come to California?
1: You know, I, I had, had done my work with Turning Point USA. Turning Point USA, great organization, loved what they were doing. Excuse me. Yeah. We we'll have to cut that out. <laughs> I love Turning Point, everything they're doing, but I saw that I could do more work with PragerU in advancing the values that I believed in. Yeah. And uh, i had actually had an internship with PragerU in Los Angeles the summer before oh, when I dropped okay. out. So I forgot to mention that. Yeah um and I lived so that out was here. your stepping
0: stone to come yes. cuz you already did an internship yep
1: yep and so I did an internship with them I lived out here with a PragerU donor in the valley mm-hmm. uh, no money the entire summer but just they let me borrow their car graciously and mm-hmm. uh, but it was a great valuable lesson for me of learning you know what it's like to be at a company and what PragerU stands for and yeah. so then I decided Craig at PragerU the chief marketing officer who is you know he's we make fun of each other all the time so he's going to love this but you know he's really like the reason that I decided to work for PragerU because of his leadership. And he's taught me everything I know about marketing and branding myself and and how PragerU's been so successful is so much because of him. And so, yeah. yeah. And so he gave me a call and was like, we want you to come back and work for us. So about January 1st, I drove from Colorado with all my stuff with one of my buddies to LA. Got the first just terrible apartment in Hollywood I could find, yeah. like a bachelor studio. So it had no kitchen, yeah. uh, only one sink. I had to keep like some of my food in the bathroom because I didn't have space in the right. the main room. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were cockroaches growing in in yeah. the place. They would wake I would wake up and the cockroaches would be crawling on my face. <laughs> so, but but I did it because I wanted to work. That's for the Prairie full Real. LA
0: experience. Uh, you have to. You, you have know. to. Yeah. I took my first good beating. In North Hollywood, oh, yeah? when I was seven years old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you uh, you just got to pay your dues, right? Cockroaches, bloody bloody face. Right. You know.
1: Again, people think just like we were talking about before. Like people think that everything's just supposed to be so easy yeah. and cushy for them. Going, mm-hmm. I mean, even with the COVID pandemic, yeah. they think we're supposed to just be safe forever. Nothing can ever touch us, right? Mm-hmm. Let's just stay in our homes forever. It's like mm-hmm. the world is not like that. You have to put yourself in uncomfortable situations mm-hmm. to ever accomplish anything great. Yeah. And so when I moved here with no money, no anything, like I knew that I wanted to work for PragerU, despite how terrible Los Angeles was and everything, I, I wanted to work for this organization and, mm-hmm. and do work. And it was great because the first video I made uh, I went to the women's march in L.A. You guys can still find this video. It's the first one. I've done a couple women's marches in L.A., so you've got to make sure you find the, the first one I did. But I went, and the video went, like, mad viral. It got, like, one and a half million views wow. in the first day afterwards, and so... Really had something there. and Was it the interviews? the interviews? The interviews that people just loved? it. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, it was probably the interviews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the first video I ever did, so okay. you might not have seen it. Most yeah. people probably watching, yeah. most people who were like diehard fans of me probably haven't even seen this video or don't yeah. remember it. Um, but I think it was just something fresh and new. We had Waters World. This is one thing as well. Sorry, I keep Just a thing. Yeah, Jesse, yeah. Waters. Jesse Waters. When Waters. I was starting out, you know, everyone said, You're like, you want to be the next Jesse Waters, and I I always hated that. I wanted to be someone different, you know. I wanted to be Will Witt. And so now, you know, people see other Man on the Street people, and they say, oh, you're going to be the next Will Witt to them, you know, which is funny. It's just, it's nice that I've been able to have that impact on on people. Mm -hmm. But I think it was the interviews. I think it was something fresh that people hadn't heard before that that they just hadn't seen from this this type of angle. Mm-hmm. You know, very I've always been very calm in my interviews, always tried to just change minds in my interviews and I think mm-hmm. that came across very well versus just make liberal look stupid. It's like yeah. I always wanted to make someone have a changed mind, whether that's a person I'm talking to or the people who are watching. Mm-hmm. So
0: that's great. So
1: you're at PragerU, this is what year?
0: This is 2018. 2018. Yeah. So uh, it's 2018 you're at Prager. You, you're still atheist agnostic yeah you're, what are, what
1: are you and what what's going on Yeah basically I wouldn't say that atheist hadn't changed. Yeah I wouldn't say atheist at this point because I wasn't going around telling people I was anti-god or anything anymore yeah. but I wasn't a believer at that point I yeah. wasn't someone who would consider myself Following Christ, definitely not. Yeah. So I guess I was more agnostic. I was okay. trying to figure it out, but you'd come from fire-breathing atheism <laughs> into a—I don't know—exactly, right? I exactly. Know. So the but first a little step bit of
0: the journey, a little calmer, right? and that, right? And so, how would that journey happen uh, on your way to becoming a Christian?
1: Yeah, the journey. We ju- want to know that. I, the first thing that really struck me was—it was, was actually—it's funny because it's kind of like from a historical aspect, where it's when getting into more conservative politics and talking with Dennis Prager and everything, mm-hmm. like you can look at the founding of America mm-hmm. and you can see that the founders of this country had a Christian mindset when they made this country. Mm-hmm. I mean, inalienable rights endowed on you by your creator, right? That, yeah. Those are in our founding documents. Yeah. Many of these, these founding fathers were religious people. They believed that, that God gave us our rights. You know, they talk about in the, the Bill of Rights that we have these rights. Mm-hmm. It's like, you don't, you don't get these rights from the government. You get these rights from God government doesn't give you morality Mm -hmm. god gives you your morality right Mm -hmm. and so that was kind of a first step for me that it's like if these guys were the founding fathers and they believe this okay maybe i need to look a lot more into this Mm -hmm. and figure out just what that it really means and so that kind of went for actually probably about a year and a half where i was still some of it is partially my fault i wasn't being uh you know I wasn't looking enough. I wasn't doing enough in my faith mm-hmm. to say I'm, I'm doing as much as I can looking into my faith. I was kind of being lazy about it. And so it, I, I started dating a girl and she was a very strong Christian and her family were very strong Christians. And I started getting going to church with them every single week and talking to them about faith. And then after that, I just started... It, it was kinda like the conservative thing when I got into conservative politics it was like as soon as I heard about it it was just my mind was just wrapped in it every single day all day That's all I wanted to do mm-hmm. so then with the faith stuff once she kinda talked to me about it and her mm-hmm. family it was like that was all I wanted to do and so I started reading a lot of starting with kind of apologetic stuff and then I started reading scripture more and it really got to the point where I read scripture and and, and reading you know the four gospels and it was like if this really happened if Jesus really died for us on the cross for our sins and did this the most miraculous thing that could ever happen mm-hmm. I mean I have to give my life for him mm-hmm. and so that's what I did wow. about three months ago and I, I actually waited I, I waited a, a long time to get baptized uh, I know there's some people who might just go get baptized because they feel like yeah. I'm ready to do it sure. I, I made sure that I was adequately prepared in my mind especially from being an atheist for so long I yeah. wanted to make sure that you know, my conviction was hundred percent there. So I waited about six months to actually get baptized and then finally did it in Hermosa Beach with Pastor Jack Hibbs, as I'm sure a lot of you guys know. And mm-hmm. yeah, just awesome. Yeah, most amazing day of my life. It was incredible truly incredible thing. So how long ago was that?
0: That was in January of this year. You got baptized and uh-huh. before that you believed about six months before that you said? so it's yes. been been quite a full year maybe yeah in, yeah in your not conversion that long. process yeah so that's not exciting that long. it's
1: very exciting i mean it's the most exciting thing to me you yeah. know and it, it it gives you like when talking about a lot of the political stuff and cultural stuff that i mm-hmm. talk about it gives you a, a better grounding yeah. in all of those things yeah. that it's like when i'm talking about you know let's say the crt stuff the critical race theory yeah. there's another backing that i can use from scripture to to strengthen my beliefs in it and use it as a way to also change people's minds on it. right? Yeah. So it just brings so much more to my life in terms mm-hmm. of fulfillment and purpose that I can't imagine, I can't even remember the person that, that I was before in all this. Excellent. you know, I feel so much better yeah. about everything yeah. that I'm doing. So the girl got you to church just like a girl brought you along, <laughs> right? I know, sadly, her and I, we're not together anymore. That's okay. It didn't work out, That's but all right. uh, her, her and her whole family were great yeah so that's wonderful yeah
0: yeah and so she was a part you know the Bible says that some people sow, some people water the seeds of faith mm-hmm. and so as that came along and now uh, you're believing it's strengthen your your foundation I mean the whole foundation for not only America but a personal foundation and looking at um, the policies of a conservative perspective are rooted in Judeo Christian ethic oh, exactly I yeah. mean And that's why the far left or progressives or liberals, the first, there's no God. There's no absolute truth. Right? And I mean, just down the list, you remove those things and you're really pulling out the foundation of a nation, or a community, or a person's life even.
1: Oh, definitely. And Dennis, you know, he always says that Genesis 1-1 is the most important verse in the Bible, that God created the heavens and the earth. In this moment, God created order in the world, right? There was nothingness and then God put everything together to create order. Why does the left want to get rid of God? Because they want chaos. The left thrives on chaos. Saying that men can menstruate is chaos. You know, socialism, communism, these are chaotic things that the left thrives on. This critical race theory, This is chaos. This is what the left wants. So when you see them, that you think it's kind of, it's a little bit innocuous, they just want to move towards science and things like that, it's like, look at their real intentions. You can have Mm -hmm. science and have biblical truth and all of that working together, but when you have the far left trying to totally dismantle God and remove it from society, you have to understand that there's a deeper reason for that. Yeah.
0: So what was the impact of you come to faith, you're believing in Jesus and uh, a traditional sense of the Bible and uh, what was the impact on the people closest to you? Because they watched this whole journey, mm-hmm. and the whole journey is like a four or five year from college age, mm-hmm. right, into this place. I mean, um, d- talk to me about some of their reactions.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I actually was on the phone with my mom on the way here. Okay. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this podcast with a, a pastor right now she was like oh nice you know and before if I would have told her that she would have been like oh God well you know and now she's like she's like all very supportive of it so what one of the things I talked about on my show the other day is that if you want to be stronger in your faith one of the most important things you can do is talk to people uh, around you who are close to you even if they don't understand it very well Mm -hmm. or they're not believers themselves talk to them about it regardless because it'll make your conviction stronger Mm -hmm. and it'll help show them what's actually going on as well. So now my sister, after all this, she's now going to church and she wants to get baptized yeah. and, and is reading scripture and my mom hopefully can come along this same journey if everything works out. Yeah. Um, my other friends who I, I work with at PragerU, we're all going to church a lot more now and, and talking to each other about it and hopefully we're going to set up a men's Bible study as well with some of us at, at the PragerU office. Yeah. So it just It's been great. It's funny, I went back to Colorado a couple of months ago when I was giving a speech out there and I, had, I saw some friends who I hadn't seen for for years since my stupid freshman year college days you know partying and being mm-hmm. dumb yeah. and they were like you know you're a different person yeah and I was like I, I feel like I am you know it feels totally different and of course we all sin and make mistakes and all of these things yeah, we're not perfect Just, of course but in terms of the way that I am trying to live my life mm-hmm. I feel I feel blessed in, in everything I'm doing yeah. so I'm glad other people can see that too
0: the oldest passed away. We've become new creatures in Christ. Right. And so it really does seem like sometimes when you look back in your rearview mirror, like I can't even identify with that guy that I was I back know. here in I this know. place because of the new life. And so that's the family impact. But even within the Prager U family, they watched this transformation in Will Witt's life. And, and did it begin to affect your program?
1: I think so. So on my yeah. podcast, I started doing a word with Will segment. I'm no youth pastor or anything, but yeah, <laughs> but it's been fun to you know. Uh, I will take you know a verse and and and, y- and use it like we just did. Uh, Matthew five twenty two. Okay. No man can serve two masters. Yeah. Uh, did that before and was talking about that with you know if you're a pastor. Yeah. Give us give us that little moment for the audience yeah. Essentially, right. what that right. one was about is that like if you're a pastor and you are saying that you you serve God but then you actually are pro-choice, you are against the nuclear family, you're saying things like transgenderism is totally fine and all this stuff, it's like, you, you can't say that you're serving God when you pervert the message of Scripture, mm-hmm. right? So instead of serving God, they're serving the God of leftism, the religion of leftism. And mm-hmm. the religion of leftism has become the most dominant religion in America today. Mm-hmm. And it even infects a lot of Christians. Mm-hmm. A lot of Christians say that they are very Christian, and they actually are more in tune with this God of leftism. Yeah. And so that was what that was about. So I would take verses and, and discuss them with Taylor, who Taylor, uh, he's, he does a show with me. Mm-hmm. His family were actually missionaries going around the world and doing that for his whole life and so he's very very knowledgeable in this he's been a a great resource for me Um, and so we would talk about these things on the show and get people's input and just try and spread it more you know I I really wanted to make that a, a forefront of things I was talking about and it's been very successful people have really been liking it and I like spreading the word out there. That's great. Yeah. Only uh, less than a year in, spreading the word, a word with Will. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, you I know. will strengthen
0: your faith. Like you said, yeah. the more you go on record, speak to people, but you're really going on in the same approach that you did while you were liberal. And mm-hmm. You became conservative. Once, once Will wits in, you're all in, man.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've had that be kind of a problem for me in the past, you know, go too heavy on one thing. It can yeah. be aggressive and stubborn, you know, sometimes, but I feel like the passion is good. No so, it is yeah
0: well zeal with knowledge is good sometimes we have a lot of zeal without yeah, knowledge yeah. sometimes people have a lot of knowledge but they're not very zealous so right. bring those two. yeah yeah you really have to bring those two things together exactly that's so exciting I'm, I'm so uh, happy for you and the journey because I know my transformation that happened just feeling like I mean it's this really cliche thing but and I came from a whole different perspective and trouble with the law and drugs and all kinds of stuff background. Mm-hmm. But waking up the next day and just, I mean, literally the, the sky seemed bluer, the grass seemed greener. I looked up to the mountains for the first time. I'm like, how come I never look up and ever notice those mountains? I mean, what, what's going on in my, there's such an inner
1: transformation that makes you solid going forward. 100%. Yeah. I remember when I did my first, uh, um, you know, eating the cracker and drinking the wine. Yeah. I did my first one. I mean, yeah. I, got the, I got the chills, man. I was like... Your first communion. Yeah, my first communion. Sorry, yeah. I couldn't think of that word. Yeah. I did my first communion. It's the thing. I know, the thing. You know, you guys <laughs> you did all know the, the baptism thing.
0: and the communion. Yeah. We only have two yeah. sacraments in the <laughs> church. For the I know,
1: I know I should, um, but I did that, and I got the chills on the first one because yeah. I had waited to to do that until I was baptized. Yeah. And so the next day, I got baptized on a Saturday, went to church the next all day, did it, and it was just like, God. whoa. Yeah. I could feel it inside of me that this was something new, something different. It was... I felt changed, yeah. you know. I'm so, so excited. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Hey, let's break there and pick back up, and we're going to dive into your programming, your book, what's going on, the Perfect. message of Will Witt for the nation. Hey, tune back in because tomorrow we're going to be back with Will. Thanks for being here, Will.
1: Thank you, man. Appreciate it. God bless. Hey, guys. Thanks for watching. For more information, head over to VintageMcCoy.com or follow us on Instagram at the McCoy. We'll see you there.